spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 178th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. About to start that vacation up, so I know feeling pretty good. I feel like the burnout has been hitting me. Maybe that's just because it's like it's so close and I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, I need a little little R and R, and I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah, definitely. If the if we were taking that vacation that whole week in a month. I wouldn't, it wouldn't even be hitting me yet, but since it's so close, it's like right there. By the time this episode comes out, it will be the start of my vacation. Yeah. So, and you're flying in that morning. So. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be glorious. Now, there's a few things I wanted to talk about. Uh, first, quick note here. Do you remember, you covered her a while ago, Laura Bobert, is that her name? Oh, yeah. Yep. The crazy fucking, what is it, congresswoman? Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> I saw a post and she's like taunting you know saying all this shit red's taking over she's like i'm glad you guys came out in droves and i'm gonna win blah 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 and then (laughs) of course she lost and uh there's a picture of her and her family just kind of like praying together i guess after they lost it was really strange yeah i don't know um i believe so she's the one who always is pictured with like rifles or guns or something like that it's kind of hard to keep her and the other one apart she's like a marjorie green taylor like yes yeah she's uh she's she's like her but she doesn't have quite as many like crazy posts and rants and things like that so but the other thing i needed to talk about and if you guys live in georgia i just i gotta know what the hell's going on there because herschel walker is very close like he's not winning he's down like three percent but i didn't think there's any chance he got that many votes yeah he actually so he's within one percent now um his opponent doesn't have 50 percent so there's actually if it keeps going like this there's going to be a runoff because apparently you need 50 percent majority or above to actually win so I'm guessing in they were saying in sometime in December, there's going to be a special election because his opponent didn't get the 50 percent required. Like, Neither of them did. Like, obviously. I don't know about the Warnock guy or whatever. I think he was the incumbent. But what Herschel, you know, he came out and he said some stuff. And he, <laughs> what is it with the CTE people? Running for a political (laughs) office. I just, because Minnesota had one too, but they lost. But what is going on here? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really been following it. So luckily, well, I don't, uh, like I've said a few times, I don't have cable anymore. So I'm not watching all of the, you know, all of the news that I used to watch. Uh, It's very healthy actually for you. I highly suggest it. Yeah. Um, So I haven't seen a lot of the crazy things. I've only really seen the political ads like in my area because of YouTube. 
So YouTube will run like your local ads like in YouTube. So that's where I'm seeing a lot of those ads. So a lot of uh, a lot of Carrie Lake, a lot of Mark Kelly, you know, seeing those on repeat. Guess what? Football this week. You don't got to watch a goddamn one of them because there's no need for them anymore. Um, Yeah, I, I, I don't even I don't even remember a YouTube commercial that's not political. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw one. I, mine, I always get one, and it it's designed to make you feel bad, and I get it. It's always the St. Jude's one, and the ad's mm. like four minutes long, but you have the option to skip it, but you also <laughs> kind of feel like an asshole for skipping it. So it's like, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they always have, like, just the saddest pictures right at the moment that you can skip. Yeah. Just to make you feel like shit for skipping over these kids who need your money, like, need your help. And you're like, no, I would rather watch my cringe video. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, non-political here. I just wanted to say quick as well. Um, So, I finally was catching up on Unsolved, Unsolved Mysteries. I yeah. watched the Navajo one and the ghost one. Where they had like a ghost in the apartment or whatever. And then I decided, well, I'm just going to watch all of them now. I've been missing out. It's a very, very well put together show. Yeah, well, it's always been. I mean, it was super popular back in the past, obviously. But they've uh, they've had some good ones on there. I don't remember it being. So we actually had kind of like a like a video set of unsolved mysteries but it was just the paranormal ones yeah so we kind of had a collection of like aliens ghosts those kind of things so i don't really remember watching it so much like live like on television you know when it was on i don't remember it being that much true crime but it's actually like watching the older ones it's a lot of true crime a lot of you know a lot of uh people you know missing people missing children all that i would i would say it's actually 80% 80% true crime or unsolved crimes and then 20% paranormal if you watch the actual show uh yep. obviously the old show did like 3 to 4 cases an episode now it's just the whole episode is the one case but i think at first when i heard that i'm like well that kind of takes away from the old show but now that i watch it i'm like the cases are so elaborate and so in depth that you almost need the whole 45 minutes. Yeah, that is kind of the format now with the the modern true crime documentary is it's either its own hour and a half kind of, you know, big documentary or it's a mini series that kind of goes into like really in depth. So really like these little tidbits of true crime, you know, don't really satiate people as much anymore. Maybe they got to have the whole story. Well, I think... Like the the old unsolved mysteries, obviously you and I've used it for research. They leave a lot of meat on the bone. They kind of just get the the main chunks, and then there's a lot yeah. more information. But uh, but yeah, the, literally before we started recording, I watched one more episode. It was the the dead girl from Oslo they found in the hotel. Did you watch that one? I don't believe I've seen that one yet. Is that the one where she kind of was like pacing back and forth in the elevator? No, 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 no. Okay. This is just, they found her dead. They think it was a suicide, but there's like a lot of weird things. They couldn't figure out what her real name is or where she's from. And they think it was intelligence assassination. Pretty good. Oh, okay. Interesting. Still haven't found out who she is 25 years later. It's pretty crazy, honestly. Um, Well, I 
So one little thing before I, I get started with the episode today, I want to ask you. So I was watching, I decided to watch, uh, you know, a different streaming service than I've been watching. I kind of neglected this one. I watched a documentary on the great service Tubi. So, you know, those are the best documentaries. Oh, yeah. Um, this one was about like Wild West kind of outlaws, people like that. They actually had a weird little take, though. They were claiming that a lot of these Wild West outlaws were actually serial killers. And I kind of wanted to ask you, you're big into true crime, what you thought about that. Because they basically took like the loosest kind of description of a serial killer. Basically, they just said a serial killer is someone who kills someone, has a resting period, kills again. Also, they said the second point was someone who doesn't feel bad for killing someone. They said that that's all it takes to be a serial killer. And they basically were saying like the most famous case of this would have to be Billy the Kid would be a Wild West serial killer, which I I disagreed with that. They did actually have a lot of good examples of real like old Wild West like serial killers, but they kind of they they basically used him as the cover art to maybe sell the documentary. They kind of like squished him in there. I really don't think he's a serial killer. No, because, well, I'm sure there was some, okay? As far as I know, the the technical definition is someone who kills and has a cooling down period of at least, I don't remember, like three months or something and then kills again in a similar fashion. Um yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because if they're Wild West, they were probably robbing or whatever. The killing was like the secondary motive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you looked at a like an MO for Billy the Kid, like of who he chose to kill or in what method, it usually just had to do with who was shooting at him, yeah. basically. Uh, to, me, really... to me, it's like, are we going to call if there's people involved in the modern gang life and they kill multiple people. I don't think they call them serial killers, even though they've killed multiple people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, soldiers who go off to war. Yeah. Would you call them a serial killer? They've, you know, killed people. They had a cooling off period, maybe killed people again. You know, obviously, you know, doing what they have to do. It's a horrible fucking thing. But, you know, they probably can argue, though, that they feel bad about it. I mean, from what I've heard the stories Billy the Kid had a few people that he had to kill that he felt bad about. So I don't really I don't really kind of classify him with them. Though no. they did say some of these guys who kind of went into business for themselves as bounty hunters were actually kind of more like a like the Iceman. They were yeah. more like assassins. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't know. It's I there's always a toss up for him from all the podcasts and I stuff I've listened to if he is a serial killer or he just did it, you know, as I guess his job. Um, but he did seem to enjoy it a lot, which I think kind of <laughs> makes you consider him a serial killer. Yeah, they brought up some guys who were like former Pickerton's workers or former like military like, who were hired assassins by some of these cattle barons. And from a lot of the witnesses and a lot of people who knew them, they basically said like, this guy's job is to kill people, but he would do it for free. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just doing it so he can eat, but he'll kill someone for $2,000 or 50 bucks. He doesn't care. Yeah. Like, that might be a serial killer, but I don't yeah. know. It's, I'm sure they just said that to kind of like, you know, fluff up the uh, story a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
to to sell that fucking documentary on that free website. Right. So right. Now that kind of goes into like that talk about the old west and everything. Kind of goes into what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. All right. During the course of human civilization, people have felt the urge to migrate to ever greater population centers, leaving their one horse cow towns for the big city life. Whether that be leaving for the glitz and glamour of LA or Manhattan, or perhaps even the gentle mediocrity of Minneapolis and Phoenix, the promise of opportunity and change is a pull that for some is hard to resist. Right. Uh, you know, obviously you and I migrated. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think in modern times, the migration is almost forced because if you want a job or a, you know, whatever, you're almost forced, like kids nowadays are forced to move to a higher populated area where there is more opportunities for them. Well, I mean, that's been happening for years and years. You know, a lot of these, a lot of kids like, you know, born to farmers or born to, into small towns, they kind of have to leave to go, you know, find opportunity in the big city. So it just seems to be more prevalent. Like, obviously, I think when let's say our parents were younger, you could get a job in the small towns that actually like paid decent. Now it's like you ain't getting that. Oh yeah, definitely. No, it's yeah. All the, all those small town factories are closing down um, with the factories closing down. All of the shops are closing down. So they, you know, you don't have clerks there. You, gas stations are basically the only gas stations and fast food are the only basic jobs in like Cresco, Iowa. I mean, if you want a job there, what are you going to do? Maybe work at Featherlight or, you know, come and go. You know, yeah. you got to figure what can yeah. you do, really? It, yeah, I don't. The people you see work at Featherlight, I don't. It's not a job that you should ever be working for your whole life. I'll tell you that much. Definitely not. Yeah, Featherlight makes trailers, by the way. They're, yeah. uh, they're yeah. like the big employer in town. Yeah. For others, however, the need to roam free in a wild land is too great of a draw to deny. Repulsed by the high population density and the overbearing authority that often comes with big city life, these people seek out the freedom from the shackles of modern society, looking to stake their claim in a barren, uncivilized land. Now, during the expansion of the United States, Americans had spread westward throughout the continent, most recently to the wilds of Alaska, though over a century and a half ago, the promise of fertile lands and mineral wealth from the region beyond the Mississippi River had led thousands on iron rails and wagon trails, facing the harshest of climates, native insurgents, and even violent bands of ruthless highwaymen, just for the promise of enterprise and expanse. Yeah, a lot more dangerous world back then, obviously. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. This, I mean, realistically, this is impossible for someone to do in modern days unless they're trespassing on somebody else's land. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, I, could you do something like this, you think? Well, I mean, what do you mean do something like this? Because now we have roads. We have, you know, a modern highway system. Basically, you can go anywhere in the country. I mean, there's still some barren land kind of out in the, you know, maybe like the Rockies or... You know, Maine's pretty barren from what I hear, but mostly we kind of have everything gridded out. Um, if you wanted to 
hop on an old trail with a horse and buggy and maybe do it like that, you're going to run into a lot of fences. And serial killers, probably. Um, serial killers, yeah. That too. <laughs> no, I'm In just, the 70s, yeah. I'm just saying, like, God, I don't know. It, it, if you were putting yourself... It's hard to put yourself in these people's shoes because, obviously, I can't even really imagine just having a vast country that you don't know what's over there really oh definitely yeah well i mean a lot of a lot of these people hurt people just kind of heard rumors like they would hear rumors of like you know someone found silver in tombstone or someone found fucking gold in nevada so they would get out there as fast as they could by the time they got there all of the claims were already feel staked out and basically that little you know, Boomtown was dying because everyone was leaving on to the next place. So actually the real, the real boom was to be there first and uh, be able to sell people shovels and fucking Levi's pants and shit. You know, <laughs> Very that true. was, that was the, the smart people, the people who like really, you know, really took advantage of it, did that. They that, were the merchants. Very true. The, the Jeff Bezos's of ancient Oh, time. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> farmers merchants miners thieves and whores all took to the trails and spread throughout the range often finding refuge at inns and way stations along the way looking for rest and resupply though often finding their greatest trouble in the bosom of those who'd sworn to protect them this was especially the case on the Santa Fe and Great Osage Trail, which ran throughout the American Southwest and into Kansas, which was the adopted home state of a family of ruthless killers. John, Elvira, John Jr., and daughter Kate, the Bender family, cemented in infamy as the Bloody Benders. Okay, now I have heard of these people. Obviously, oh, I don't. Definitely. I don't remember much about them, <laughs> but um, the gentleman's name is Elvira. No, so uh, Pa Bender. The name he went by was John Senior. Gotcha. Elvira was Ma. John gotcha. Jr. was the half-witted son, and the daughter Kate was uh, known as the hot one. So, <laughs> the hot yeah. one, huh? For her time, yes, the hot one. <laughs> okay, she had like what 20 of the 34 teeth in your mouth or something like that she was hot oh yeah well i mean they 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 show a picture of her and you know in modern times obviously she's not wearing all the makeup and all of the you know enhancing things that you know women wear now but you know for back then she would have been a fucking 10 in most places she went to <laughs> yeah you're right though just having her teeth would have made her an eight right you know? No matter what else she looked like, just, you know, holy shit, she has all of her teeth and she's not dying of fucking tuberculosis. Good Lord. Like, someone someone put a ring on it. Down. But I put a ring on it. Yeah, I got to get her in my home cooking. <laughs> <laughs> got to get about eight or nine kids out of her before she dies of fucking typhoid. If you, if you said she's got birthing hips, that's an 11, Phil. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the region of Kansas that they had settled in is called Labette County, 
Uh, Webeck County lies on the southeastern border of Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, today, it's populated by just over 20,000 residents. Uh, originally, it had been populated mostly by the Osage Native American tribal peoples. This was until the Homestead Act of 1862 saw those people forcefully evacuated from their lands and moved into modern-day Oklahoma to reservations, uh, obviously very forcefully. Uh, this region of Kansas that they lived in was actually earmarked for European settlers. Uh, they would initially see the movement of five European families into the area, uh, a lot of them influenced by kind of uh, a big religious revolution that was going on at the time, a very religious people. Uh, one of these families was the Bender family. Now, going a little bit about the Homestead Act, it actually made it legal for any qualified male to stake a claim of 160-acre parcel of land. Uh, this was just for a small fee, and he basically had to promise that he would live on and utilize the frontier land that he had claimed. And he wasn't going to just abandon it, though a lot of people just picked up and abandoned their land. I mean, if you had to live in Kansas, you'd get the fuck out of there, too. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, if you abandon the land, like, the government's going to have a hard time coming after you. So, um, yeah, you could basically just disappear. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a way. I mean, the promise of free land for a lot of these people. I mean, if you so say you came from Europe and you settled, you know, on the East Coast, there wasn't a lot of open space or land for you to kind of, you know, buy. Most of the good land was all taken up. Um, maybe you could buy some shit land, but you wouldn't be able to do anything on it. And you got to think too, a lot of people didn't really know like what they were going to get into when they got there. They probably thought it was going to be a lot like the East coast. They didn't realize it was going to be just the wide plains grasslands that actually exist there. Very little trees, yeah. you know, just kind of nothing spread out. Probably got to just, you get there, build a home. Start digging up dirt and just start farming it, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, so the crazy thing, like getting a little bit of history back then, it was kind of hard before the train, you know, before the train lines came came in and, you know, kind of made logistics a little bit easier. It was hard to get like wood and brick actually into the area. A lot of the earlier settlers in the plain states had to build their homes out of sod. So okay. basically dirt walls. You know, that's I mean, what you were protected from the the fucking wilds by. Isn't that kind of what most homes in Kansas are made out of currently? I don't know about that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just you kidding. know, I mean, it's it's modern times. They they get wood probably from Missouri and you know Iowa now. Look, but look, they got fucking Patrick Mahomes. We can make fun of their state. He he's the greatest treasure Kansas is ever gonna get. So I don't want to hear no complaining. That is true. Yeah. Now, the Bender family, made up of four supposed German immigrants, had claimed this 160-acre parcel of land with the intention of starting an inn and way station. This was because the land was a close proximity to an offshoot of the Great Osage Trail, known as the Osage Mission Independence Trail, which ran from nearby Independence, Kansas, northeast to Fort Scott, uh, with their stake landing in Osage Township, 
just west of current-day Parsons, Kansas. Uh, this was in northwest Labette County, uh, near the border of neighboring county Montgomery. So actually, it's just a few miles away from Montgomery. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I guess you're going to get into it, but I'm curious. I mean, an inn, I guess, are they just as, as, you know expecting people to just kind of pass through <laughs> this area on a whim? So, I mean... You got to remember, wasn't a lot of roads back then. A lot of these trails were cut like centuries or decades before by Native American migration. So these trails were already in use. A lot of, I mean, a hundred years before, a lot of the missionaries were using these trails to try to go spread Jesus to the Native American. That's so true. People were using these trails to move around, to migrate. So, so if you were on your way out west, or on your way back east, maybe if you're, you know, if your shit kind of failed, you just went back. So I imagine there was probably a lot of signs saying like, head, <laughs> head this way for an inn. Oh, well, I mean, people did have signs kind of outside of if you had a homestead on the trail, you might have had a little sign saying like, you know, if you need to like for resupply and everything like little general stores. But yeah, I mean. There were no like road signs that you would think of, I imagine. I imagine I, you just kind of had to, you know, keep your fucking wagon on the trail and hope to not be murdered by highwaymen. I would love to see how misspelled those signs were. Oh, I bet it was pretty rampant, <laughs> like, especially in that area. Like in this way, and it's just I-N. Especially considering <laughs> yeah. all of the, most of the settlers in this area were all like from you know, European countries. So I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of, you know, wasn't a lot of English probably being used in a lot of these. Pro homes. They probably just so. like painted a bratwurst on his <laughs> sign said, head this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> just two clinging, like big ales of beer. Yeah. Like, uh, what are, what are those, uh, what are those called? Uh, Oktoberfest. Yeah. The giant steins. The steins, giant steins yeah. of beer clinging. Yeah. That's how you know it's a bar. Just two steins <laughs> clinging together. <laughs> now, first to move in were actually the males of the family. Patriarch John Sr., uh, known as Pa Bender, and his supposed son, John Jr. Now, Pa Bender was a gruff-looking man, said to have had a permanent look of contempt on his face. Uh, he was described as a brute, and a, just in general, a despicable human. He actually spoke with a thick German accent, and he wasn't really known to know much English at all. The younger Bender man, John Jr., actually spoke much better English and had a really less pronounced German accent. He was said to be an attractive young man with a slight frame and a mustache. Uh, most people apparently thought that he was actually pretty much what they called a half-wit, this was due to him having fits of uncontrolled laughter, which was said to come out of nowhere. Yeah, so we know, wouldn't, we wouldn't like nowadays. We wouldn't call that a half wit. We might think that they have something wrong with them, like mentally. So just someone laughing out of nowhere um, can be a little creepy, uh, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Uh, you wonder what they're laughing about, and you know, obviously, we know what they're what they do later in life. That makes it even spookier a little bit from this guy. Yeah, definitely. So walking through work, I as you're walking through, you might hear someone like laugh, like start laughing a lot, but then you'll see they're wearing headphones and they're listening to a podcast or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm guilty of that too. 
They love the Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> I bursted out. Um, fucking uh, Aaron Hernandez story was on Crime and Sports this week. And I was like holding back the me laughing about the shit that they were saying. I so. know I am. Uh, I'm working my way through that one. Very good so far. Yeah, it was good. It was about three hours long. So it was the fucking. Oh, that was a crazy story. But getting back to this. All right. The two men actually on the land had set up a barn and a cabin on the plot the year that they got there, 1870 with the women of the Bender clan making their way to the homestead in 1871. Those women being the mother of the family, Elvira, whom apparently, according to some of the articles that I had read, uh, preferred being called Mara, though apparently everyone took to just calling her Ma. Uh, she was a woman of around 50 to 60 years old, and like John Jr., spoke very little English, but was said to speak English slightly better than her husband. Also, Elvira was known to be, according to neighbors, so unfriendly towards others that people had begun calling her a midnight hag and a she-devil behind her back. Finally, there was Kate Bender. Now, Kate was a young woman of about 23 years old, and she claimed to be Elvira Bender's daughter, locally known to be a supposed psychic healer and a mystic. She was also apparently very attractive for the time. Uh, Kate was said to speak perfect English and really had no accent at all. Okay, so Ma and Pa are a scary lot. And then yes. the children are a little more normal, although John Jr., little stupid. But Kate Bender, basically, the way you're describing her, if this was like a teen comedy romance, when she walked in the room, wind would myster mysteriously just start blowing on her. Oh, yeah. If this was a like one of those sitcoms and with the with the live studio audience, supposedly everyone would like hoot and holler when she walked in, just like married with children. When the hot daughter in that one, uh, Christina Applegate would walk in, everyone in the audience would hoot and holler. You ever think like, about whistle that? at her and shit? I would just want to you to think about that for a minute in the show. I think she's supposed to be in high school and they're playing the like. The like sexy girl noise when she walks in. Oh right? yeah, and like if you think about it now, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, being so direct like that, that shit wouldn't fly nowadays. They would be a little bit more low key about it. Um, she would be the hot chick, but she would also have you know the problems and the you know she would have more of a story. Her story was dumb hot chick on that show. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, you know what I was thinking, though? When these women were traveling there, that had to be s pretty scary for them. Like, two women, obviously, during this time, who knows what highwaymen or whoever would do to them if they, you know, like captured them. You know what I mean? For most people, that would be a pretty scary experience. Uh, in this situation, you might feel bad for the highwaymen. Who came across them? Oh, okay. They were, yeah. Especially if you came across Ma Bender, uh, yeah, you would might be in trouble. So we'll find out more later. Okay. Um, but pretty much, uh, really, what you can say about Kate, she was kind of like the superstar of the family. Um, really, a lot of the people who were victims inside the inn were there because they either came to see Kate, you know either for her 
looks or maybe her psychic abilities or a lot of times like travelers on the trails she would run up to them and kind of entice them to come in saying that you know her mom would cook for them or they would be able to resupply their wagon whatever just trying to get them into the home so kate is pretty pretty nasty herself then oh definitely yeah i mean it's hard really trying to figure out like which was the nastiest in the group is especially by the end of this you'll be trying to figure that out okay so can't wait to hear it now of the group the younger members of the family kate and john jr were definitely the more social pair being seen much more outside of the family's homestead than father and mother john senior and elvira with john jr and kate even attending a local sunday school in harmony grove also kate had apparently become very popular in the local area. Uh, she would pass out flyers offering people to come and hang out at the Wayside Inn where she would give them kind of like a psychic reading, hold seances with dead relatives, all of that stuff. She also gave speeches on her views on mysticism, religion, spirituality, and also free love, which apparently she kind of espoused her opinion on very frequently with people you know, all over the area. Her liberal views on free love actually is what is thought to have attracted most of the male visitors who weren't on the trails. Makes sense. Honestly, hearing this, I'm surprised they didn't like burn her at the stake for this during the time. It's kind of weird because in my mind too, when I heard the story, I was kind of like, wow, that's, uh, I mean, it's crazy that she's just kind of like out there saying whatever she thinks. But really, we're thinking of kind of the romanticized version of the Wild West, which was kind of made up during the 50s. Okay, so you're saying, I wonder what exactly her version of free love was. Was it like, you should kiss before marriage? Like, (laughs) you should hold hands before marriage? Like, what, you know, what was it? Yeah, I mean, I'll be getting that into a little oh, bit. They okay. actually have there's a very famous quote from one of her speeches. Um, also, I mean, basically, it's, uh, you know, just having sex and enjoying, you know, men and women enjoying each other, basically, okay. is kind of what she's saying, you know, sex before marriage. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. As for John and Elvira, they were much less social, although it seems they never really missed out on being in public they really didn't enjoy others Uh, many of the family's neighbors didn't even really think that the pair were actually married rather they thought they could possibly be brother and sister instead Uh, likewise the locals didn't actually think that kate and john jr were actually brother and sister instead they thought that they were the couple uh maybe even married though they all claimed to be they had claimed to be siblings it was thought that they were possibly engaging in an incestuous relationship, especially after hearing Kate's speeches on free love. Uh, she's actually quoted as saying, shall we confine ourselves to a single love and deny our natures their proper sway, even though it be a brother's passion for his own sister? I say it should not be smothered. Okay. Um, this yep. is some, some Kentucky activity here. Uh, a little bit. Yep. Uh, okay. So... I don't think an incestuous relationship would be considered out of place for this time period in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 
That's the crazy thing about this area. I mean, you really think about small towns now. There are families there who have lived there for generations. You know, people's grandparents were friends when they were little kids and they all kind of grew up together. All of these people are just really strangers who all moved to the same area at just a few years or maybe months before this. So it's kind of like everyone, it's almost like the first week of college and everyone's just getting to know each other. You're going to meet some weirdos yeah. in the dorm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. The definitely. kid who doesn't shower a lot and always smells like fucking weed and fucking incense. You're going to come across that maybe for the first time. Is so. there, are you in the corner that thinks that they might not have actually been related, all of them? Or. Oh, I. So I'll. I'll. We'll talk about it later, but okay. yeah, I'm in. I'm in that. After after all the stuff that I've read and kind of the, a lot of the videos, I'm definitely in that in that group. So. Oh, okay, all right. Now, the Bender's Wayside Inn would serve, as I mentioned, as a way station for where travelers on the Osage Mission and Independence Trail, which was an offshoot of those greater trails. It cut its way through the Southern Plains states from northern Missouri all the way west through to northeastern New Mexico, which, as I mentioned before, is a godless, decrepit land known for high levels of incest and low literacy rates to this day. With the ancient trails being cut by the former Plains Indian inhabitants of the regions. Now, the benders uh, for travelers on this trail would offer meals, supply reloads, and maybe most importantly, a comfortable place to rest their head. Though, if you really hear about kind of like their cabin, it didn't sound that comfortable at all. Uh, the Bender family's small cabin was divided into two rooms by a thick wagon canvas that separated the family's living quarters in the back from the front of the cabin, which housed a general store, a kitchen, and table for guest meals. So, okay. Yeah, obviously to, I think, us, this is terrible, but I guess maybe it's more comfortable than sleeping on the ground somewhere, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if they have just a pad to lay down on, it's way more comfortable than sleeping in the back of your wagon, you know, with all your shit, or on the ground, or even on your horse, so. Just, here's what I think, like, if we, you know, me, I'm, I like to be very clean, right? I could, yeah. you know, I can't imagine these people staying here. The sheets ain't getting washed. I bet there's like horse shit still stuck on the sheets when you're renting this bed to sleep in from the last guy who stayed there was stomping there with his boots on. Yeah, I imagine any hotel or anywhere that you stay in that's not in like a, a well-built like city, you know, kind of like you always every Western movie starts off with the guy, you know, moving away from his city in the east where everything's very clean and, you know, very nice out to the West where you'll be sleeping in a bed that had some fucking cowboy with shit in his boots who he didn't take off his boots when he went to bed. You know, it's just, it's, and the water's disgusting and the piss pots never get changed in the room. You know, you know what I was think about this for a second. So how times have changed. So back nowadays, it's like considered weird if someone was to leave their shoes and or socks on during sex, right? But yeah. maybe back then you were weird if you took them off. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's, I mean, especially out here, you might, have, 
you might have to there might be a second whore who's like holding a gun to your head you might have to run your pants right. around your ankles <laughs> right or a goddamn snakes in the bed very you true you don't want to get your foot bitten yeah that uh that's a quick way to die then you might you if you visit if you uh visit a house of repute let's just say you might be uh like you were talking about at the urinal a through the gator you you might just uh, pull one of those you're right <laughs> <laughs> Now, this inn, however, would be used mainly as a front for the Bender family's more nefarious purpose. This was the targeting of wealthy travelers who would utilize the trail, separating the men from their possessions and their lives. Now, if a traveler, or possibly one of Kate's guests for a seance, was deemed wealthy enough for the trouble, they were seated in the place of honor. This was having the guests sit with their back to the thick wagon canvas while being distracted by either Elvira or Kate Pa Bender or possibly John Jr. would emerge from behind the canvas and supposedly bash their head in with a hammer. Next, they would be finished off by either Elvira or Kate who would be wielding a knife and cut their throats to ensure death. Okay, this is, uh, this not a fun way to go out no definitely not yeah and i mean it's not like every single person who stayed here it's not like everyone had this happen to them but we'll go through the list of victims and over maybe a year and a half span it's quite a few this reminds me of like house of a thousand corpses kind of yeah they've made this uh is so big in pop culture they've made books plays movies everything out of this uh there's a lot of stories that Really, you don't even think of that kind of like our offshoots of this story. Oh, I'm sure it's uh, I mean, you're going to get deeper into it here, but so far it's coming off with a bang. Yeah, definitely. There's these tales of like, oh, you know, highwaymen and thieves and everything. But no one kind of expects like this, like an organized family of serial killers. No, 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 definitely not. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, really, for the most part, people are worried about being attacked by like bands of Native Americans because that's kind of what the newspaper is reporting. Right. Yeah, I suppose. Now, according to the stories from their survivors, while at the table for a meal or possibly while sitting in for one of Kate's seances, if the guest did not want to sit with their backs to the canvas or preferred to eat their meal with their possessions outside, their host, Kate, or Elvira would become infuriated, verbally berating the victim until they either acquiesced or fled from the cabin. Okay, so you're saying they would only kill him in this manner, basically? Like with the yeah. wagon thing. Like if they didn't do that, then they would get mad more or less? Well, if they told you to sit at the table with your back to the canvas and you didn't do it, all of a sudden, like, their mood would change. Yeah. They wouldn't, like, Ma Bender wouldn't be the kindly motherly figure anymore. She would start, like, yelling at you. And Kate wouldn't kind of be, like, the comely, you know, like, mystic woman. All of a sudden, she would get angry and, you know, be pissed off. You know, basically, they're trying to set you up, and you're kind of going against the script. Uh, you're not doing what they want you to do. So I they're... They're yelling at you, trying to get you to sit there. I'm surprised they even cared. Like, I feel like with four of them, they could have overpowered just about anybody, regardless of where you were sitting. Yeah, you got to think, though, too. I mean, for them, they're taking the risk 
this is very much an ambush. So if if someone is kind of like wise to it or they're in the mood for fighting, you know, everyone carried a gun back. At least they carried a knife. Very you know? true. They very could maybe true. kill maybe one or two of them before the other ones kind of like got on top of them. So, yeah, OK, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's definitely an ambush style. OK, so for the unlucky victims that hadn't escaped the Bender family after the attack, a trap door, which the Bender family had specially built, leading down to a small cellar underneath the cabin would be open and the victims would be thrown in to this basement. They would be later stripped of their clothing and possessions, after which their bodies would be dumped in one of many various locations in the area, including the Benders family acreage itself. Uh, this action would also be done under the cover of night. They would obviously wait until it was completely dark to go hide the bodies. And out there, there's no streetlights. There's no lamps anywhere. So when it's night out, it's fucking dark as shit. Yeah. And I suppose wildlife would kind of <laughs> take care of the rest once they're out there. If unless they were burying them, you know, I imagine there's a lot more wild animals back then. Out there, I mean, there might be some coyotes. Yeah, you know, well, coyotes some... would be my number one. Yeah, you know, they're it... obviously scavenger animals. Yeah, birds? I don't think I don't. Yeah, birds. I don't really think though the wildlife are that highly like concentrated out in like the plains states, like they are like back in you know the Midwest. I suppose that is true. But yeah, there's going to be, you know, the elements are going to take care of them. The So very true. Very true. Now, in May of 1871, shortly after Elvira and Kate had moved to the homestead, the first of the Bender's victims would be found. A man whose head had been bashed in and his throat cut would be found in nearby Drum Creek. Now, this man would never be positively identified. He would only become known as Jones. The owner of the Drum Creek claim where the man had been found would be suspected of the murder, though no charges were ever brought against him. So basically this says pretty immediately when they all got together, the killing started. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. It's it's one of those things, too, where this might have been John Sr. and John Jr. who had done this. It They don't really know it. Kind of like when he gets found, they had just gotten there. So it may have been before they had shown up. But yeah, wow. it was right away okay. that a body had been found. They were in business immediately. There was no no time to waste. You know what? God, it would be really hard to identify anybody back then, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if you kind of took all their possessions off of them. Yeah. Um, If you... You know, a lot of these people, imagine someone moving from, God, what, Missouri all the way down to maybe Independence or going further, maybe into Oklahoma. No one knows who the fuck these people are. So if they don't have identification on them, if no one had met them while they were on their, their journey on the trail, they had no idea. They were just some dude. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. And I imagine, Unless, I wonder yeah. if a lot of these people were like traveling alone. Yeah, there were people traveling alone with families. I don't really know if there was any situations where people were kind of like traveling in big groups, but there was probably some of that too. This wasn't, it's not like they were just moving into the area. They're also moving 
through this area to go to other lands. Yeah. So I imagine those were their best victims or people who yeah. were kind of just coming and going more or less. Yeah. And you got to also think too, these people were moving to these areas, which means they had everything they owned, all of the money they had, their horses were expensive. Any saddles were expensive. They could, you know, flip those around. They could fence some of their jewelry and everything. Um, there was actually a small network that we're kind of going to talk a little bit about who may have helped the benders fence all of their, you know, stolen goods. Okay. Yeah. There almost would have to have been more in on it like you said yeah you can't you can't run something like this on your own and be also found you know going to the local general store trying to pawn a watch you know wiping <laughs> the blood off a watch you know, claiming it was yours i mean that uh, you can still do that at modern day dollar generals phil so you know don't <laughs> don't knock it i remember oh that show that we used to watch um the detroit pawn shop where they would like people would bring in basically it looked like laptops that had been ripped out of you know library yeah yeah <laughs> they looked it was like printers and they would be like how much do you want for it uh, i think it's worth about five thousand dollars yeah there's actually uh this is an old laptop it's uh the power cord is ripped out of it you know <laughs> just pieces of shit but yeah yeah it just reminds me of whenever i think that shit <laughs> Now, the next year, in February of 1872, two more victims would be found with similar injuries to the first victim, their heads also bashed in by a blunt object and finished off with slashes to the throat. They were actually found it out in the open prairie. By the end of 1872, reports of disappearances had become so prevalent along the Osage Mission and Independence Trail that travelers had begun avoiding that road altogether though it was thought that the known dangers of the trail being horse thieves bandits bands of highwaymen basically were already taking people down in the area and they were thought to be the cause of the disappearances over this short period of time the county also was still mostly without adequate law enforcement authority so local posses would be assembled and arrest would be made in the instances of these disappearances though no one was ever convicted of the crimes however many of the innocent men that had been arrested were just kind of run out of the county altogether this is the old libertarian wet dream here phil uh, oh, just a just yeah. a <laughs> posse dealing out justice. Um, yeah, I would. I suppose they probably couldn't fathom at the time that a family was doing this to people. Yeah, I mean, they really, in their minds, it had to be you know thieves on the road because that's kind of like the big worry out there is just kind of these you know roving bands of men. You know, stealing horses, killing people, kind of like the dime store fucking like the paper, you know, that the stories that everyone was reading was kind of about this stuff, you know? Yeah. The Clintons of the Wild West, more or less. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> For the same reasons. definitely. <laughs> now, even after the trail had become known for travelers going missing. The many disappearances hadn't really garnered that much attention outside of the area. That is, until one man, George Newton Lancor, utilizing the trail in the winter of 1872 in order to move himself 
and his young daughter, Marianne, back to Iowa from his home in Independence, Kansas. This was after the death of his wife. The pair had gone missing at some point on the trail, and a friend of his his neighbor, Dr. William Henry York, in the spring of 1873, had gone searching for them on the trail. This was after the horses and wagon that Dr. York had sold George Langcar for the trip had been found near the end of the trail at Fort Scott. Uh, there was no sign, though, of George or his daughter, Marianne. Okay, is the doctor really going to be the one who solves this over any sort of authority figure? Well, you got to remember, though, back in those <laughs> days, the doctor kind of was the authority figure. You remember the great uh, docu-series, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Mm. She became pretty much like the authority in Colorado Springs in that show. Very true. Very astute observation, Phil. Yeah, immediately a town leader, just like Doc Hollywood, which I watched recently great movie <laughs> i mean it's it's crazy to think that a wild posse of armed men probably were just picking on people they didn't like and just assumed they were the killer and ran them out of town um but you know the the old doctor he's gonna he's gonna solve this problem yep he's gonna set things right he thinks uh yeah <laughs> obviously you don't live in arizona never heard of uh, a posse going after people so they apparently well they still have the sheriff's posse here you'll see cop the police suvs with posse on the side so, oh no well i hope you'll, I, you'll, I know where they park you'll see a few of them i guess the midwest has quote-unquote militias which is just <laughs> like a bunch of people with guns who talk a lot yeah just a just a grouping of racists who like guns and <laughs> yeah I should you what they remind are. me after we're done here. There's a video of these people. The guy says he's from they're from fucking all over the U.S. helping Russia fight against Ukraine because they're taking down the elites. It's uh pretty shocking and and cringy. Okay, yeah, no, I hadn't heard about that. Okay, but that's weird. Now, Dr. York would travel the Osage Mission Independence Trail, talking to residents and searching for witnesses who had seen the father and daughter pair. And after making it all the way to the end of the line at Fort Scott, he positively identified the horses and the wagon that he had sold to his friend George. He would begin to make his way back to his home in Independence when he himself would disappear from the trail. Now, after Dr. York's disappearance, his brothers, Colonel Ed York and Alexander York, both highly prominent members of the region, just like their brother, would gather a large group of men, uh, anywhere between 50 and 75, to go on the search for their brother along that trail, eventually tracking his path to the Bender's Wayside Inn. Okay, now, okay, so this is why the doctor ain't solving it. <laughs> yep. But you know what? 50 to 75 people, that's, you know, the, the benders are outnumbered at this point. Yeah, technically the doctor getting off his ass and going to look for his buddy uh, did kind of help, you know, end this. Because you really think about it, this could have this could have been going on for years and years had someone from the local area not done something about it. You know, he actually went out and tried to find his friend, which he's from a prominent family. You know, they're from means his two brothers who are also prominent members. They can gather up, you know, mass amounts of people to come help them. So, yeah, if if, you know, Dr. Dr. York here didn't 
didn't notice that his particular shoe shoe print of horse shit was still on the wagon. He would have never known that it was his old wagon, right? Yeah, I don't know if they had serial numbers back then or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, they figured out that it was sold to him by, you know, Dr. York. So he went there to confirm it. Also, some of their clothing and possessions that they had had were still in the wagon. He kind of confirmed all of it. So he said, like, yes, this is this is their stuff. They were definitely, you know, utilizing these horses and wagons. So you're saying they didn't he didn't just do it by identifying the horse shit footprints he left on the wagon. No, I don't okay. believe so. <laughs> okay. I thought that was old timey forensics, but I was uh I was wrong. That was like old timey leaving your signature was yeah. putting your uh putting your boot in a fresh fucking cow pie. <laughs> Now, upon visiting the Bender farm, the Brevers were told by John Jr. that Dr. York probably ran into some trouble from bandits on the road. He also claimed that he himself had been shot at around the same time that their brother had disappeared. And with little to no evidence against the Benders, the Brevers would actually leave, though they would begin hearing stories from locals about the odd Bender family including a story from a woman whom had fled the Bender home after Ma Bender had threatened her with a large knife and pistol. That's not a good look. Oh, yeah, definitely no. That's, I mean, this is part and parcel Ma Bender, you know, from what everyone says. Yeah. That this is kind of her shtick. <laughs> she, she's not very friendly, so. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't assume she's very friendly if she's threatening you with a large knife and a pistol. No, definitely not. According to a lot of the stories I've read, the the other brother, Alexander, he went back home. Uh, it was though the brother, Colonel, um, Colonel Ed York, would remain in the area with the large group of men to look for his brother. He would return to the Wayside Inn, though when he got there to ask Elvira about the woman that she had threatened, Elvira verbally berated the man telling him that that woman was actually a witch and that she had tried to poison her coffee. She then told the men that they had to leave her home immediately. This happened all like very much in a tirade by her. The only problem was that by doing this, Ma Bender had tilted down her hand, letting everyone know that she had had a much better grasp of English that she had let on. Also, much less of an act than she had ever used before. Now, in order to try to defuse the situation, Kate would tell Colonel York that she would be willing to use her psychic abilities to help find his brother, and that Colonel York should return that Friday night for a session with her. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I mean... Have I, mentioned, have I mentioned my views on free love also, yeah, by the yeah. way? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I okay. We'll have to find out what happens, but I would hope he would come with some of his men's in the posse. <laughs> but I have a feeling he doesn't. Yeah, no, uh, he doesn't come back for her her psychic reading. So ah, okay, yeah. damn it, all right. Yeah, though I mean, uh, that like they don't really mention it in any of like the the stories. But I can't imagine how many guys who got set up by her thinking that they were going to get some strange. And then just getting bashed over the head by her brother husband. Yeah. That's, yeah. 
after she basically must live in Pittsburgh. That's where she's yeah, from. Originally. There you go. Now, now, after all the commotion of the search party, uh, the brother was scouring the area. The residents of Osage Township would actually call a meeting uh, because really the other local communities had started to believe that Osage Township was responsible for these disappearances. This meeting would happen at Harmony Grove Schoolhouse. The meeting in which 75 locals attended included Colonel York. Uh, also there was Pa Bender and John Jr. Bender. At the conclusion of the meeting, it was decided that search warrants would be issued to look through all the homesteads in the area between Drum Creek and Big Hill Creek. Uh, Drum Creek was the place where the first body was found, if you remember. Yeah, okay. Now, unnoticed at first, the Bender family, after this meeting, would quickly pack up their belongings, fleeing from the property completely. And you can imagine why. Okay, not a great look for them. No. So do you think this means that they would have found either bodies on their property or in their in slash home pretty quickly well you'll we'll talk about it in the this next couple paragraphs okay. but right. yes definitely they would have immediately you know they would have immediately found what they were looking for, or yeah. been led to believe that they were going to find what they were looking for considering like they know exactly like where to look when they go inside the house gotcha okay now as i mentioned uh the bender family actually had a few days head start just because of how remote this place is um, they were able to flee without really anyone noticing. Uh, after a few days a local man in the area noticed that the benders family that the bender family's animals were kind of just out in the open either starving or dead uh, county officials in the area issued a search warrant for the property at this time residents from around the region showed up with shovels and pickaxes uh, starting the investigation from the area of the trap door inside the house. Now, this area was said to have had a terrible odor coming from underneath it. Uh, this would actually not turn out to be corpses. Instead, it would be dried up blood that was soaked into the cellar floor. Ooh. It was yeah. funny. When you first mentioned the trap door, I was like, it's got to fucking stink in there. Um, definitely. But also, if you're saying at the inn, everything probably stunk anyway, so maybe you didn't notice. Yeah, so at this point in the story, I'm also, it's not really in the script, but I'm also going to tell you, because we mentioned the odor, a lot of the people who weren't killed by the benders, those people who kind of refused to sit in the quote-unquote place of honor, did so because they either didn't want to sit next to the large canvas that had these weird stains on it, or they really didn't want to sit next to that trap door because of the smell and the flies that were buzzing around it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I, it had to smell just nasty if there's all these dead bodies in there. Oh, definitely, yeah. I couldn't imagine the four people, so they all lived basically on top of that trap door the for the bender family that Yikes. was their living quarters i mean a lot like jeff bezos's house i imagine oh definitely yeah that's <laughs> just bodies under the floor is that yeah you imagine it i saw something that it was like one of his maids or something is claiming she got a uti from cleaning his house which obviously i 
I, I, I assume she's trying to get money, but um, yeah, I'm not sure how you would do that. That's a little personal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can blame. I mean, she's got to be wearing clothes while she's cleaning the house, right? So well, I don't... The, the video I saw was like a little TikTok, and <laughs> the guy was acting like he was the maid, and he was just like basically dry humping everything in the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's on you at that point, yeah. pretty much. And it's your responsibility to clean up the toilet. So you can't even blame the toilet. No, you very know. true. No, I don't see. Very yeah, true. I don't believe that at all. Fuck TikTok. Yeah. yeah full of lies. <laughs> now, the men who would come to dig up the sites would actually pick up the entire building and move it to the side. Uh, the group with their pickaxes and shovels began to dig up the trap door and the cellar. Eventually, though, they wouldn't really find any bodies in there and they would have to move on to the acreage. Really, that's when they got to an orchard and a vegetable garden. So when Elvira and Kate moved to the area, they actually planted a two acre vegetable garden and orchard uh, for supplies. They would dig through the large vegetable garden and begin finding corpses immediately. Now these corpses from the stories that I was reading were barely covered with enough dirt to kind of like cover their shoes. They would also find a corpse of a man in the bender's well. Apparently he had just kind of been haphazardly thrown down the hole. They must not have felt like <laughs> digging that day, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, okay. It's, I guess it's an interesting place to hide the bodies. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the soil's like there. Maybe it's really hard and you, they didn't want to dig a whole lot, you know what I mean? Um, but possibly, I mean, the like the sod kind of in Kansas is known to be pretty hard, and you've already got all this, you know, you've already dug up a lot of that ground, kind of like you know you hear about people burying, you know, dead bodies in their own backyard in the garden, so under the tomato plants. Yeah, I mean, even if you were to. <laughs> Like, bury a family pet or something back there. Like, it ain't easy to dig a big hole, I would imagine. Well, yeah, and you're going to want to dig it deeper than, you know, like we talked about animals in the area. You're going to dig it deeper than, what is it, six feet? So that yeah. the animals don't smell the body. Yeah. So basically, you just have them right under the dirt line. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I, I imagine they just wanted to do it as quickly as they possibly could in this case, but... um. Okay, uh, I'm guessing you're going to go through how many bodies they found? Yeah, eventually uh, we'll get to the entire list. So okay. they find basically all the corpses of the people that they find are killed in really the same way. They also find kind of just random body parts scattered throughout the vegetable garden too that were, you know, a lot of the bodies didn't get identified um, they kind of put, you know, what they think the body parts were together, and it's about four people that they think made up, like, the scattered body parts. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, during the search of the Wayside Inn, evidence would be found inside the home that suggested that the members of the Bender family were definitely not who they claimed to be. There was a Bible that was found inside the home. Uh, normally, it was seen being carried around by John Jr., though it had John Jr.'s real name written inside of it. Apparently, his name was actually John Gephardt. The Bible also revealed that John Sr.'s real name 
was John Flickinger. Okay, so this is probably why you're leaning towards they weren't actually a family. Yeah, or so like a lot of, of this, uh, a lot of this story. I mean, it's one of those deals where the story is 150 years old now. A lot of it's kind of been like retold, and you know, like all of the articles that I read were a little bit different, but a lot of this was all the same. The Bible containing, you know, both John's real names. Okay, all right. It's I, it's weird they would. I wonder how they wrote the name and like this belongs to whoever. Yeah, I I mean, back then, like your family Bible maybe was your possession. Also, it was kind of part of their cover too, like John Jr. and Kate going to, you know, Bible studies or, you know, Sunday school. That was all kind of their like their camo, their blending in. So but he would I mean, maybe he had it before they took up the name Bender. So my theory on this is kind of probably a pretty popular theory. These all seem like they're kind of like a ragtag group of killers who just kind of had like this idea for like a common goal. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, the names would lead you to believe something is not right. You know, like they're not actually family members because why wouldn't the son take the same last name as the father? Yeah, so it's not believed that uh, John Jr. and John Sr. were actually related. Okay. So that's kind of the the big theory. Okay. So I'll get into that in a little bit about how these people were all maybe actually related. Okay. Now, after kind of years of investigation, family, it had been discovered that Elvira Bender's real name was most likely Elmira Mark, and that she had probably really never was married to John Sr., though she had been married four times in the past all of her husbands had died of similar head injuries to the Bender family victims. Uh, Ma Bender was also suspected of those killings, of course. It was also discovered that she had had multiple children, uh, and it is believed that Kate actually was one of them. So the only two people in this story who are actually related are Kate and Ma. Okay, okay. I, I'm just like, why would she go from... Elmira to Elvira, like Elvira. It's not very clever. <laughs> the thing that I'm thinking is you've gone by a name. Like imagine you trying another name. I mean, if you change your name to like Adam or something like that, you might not think to like look over when someone says Adam, but both of the Johns, their real names were John. Her name was Elmira. She changed it to Elvira. And we'll get into kind of like Kate's like real name too. But they're all kind of similar. I guess if I need to change my name, I'll just be like Nody or Toady or yeah. <laughs> I work with a Brody. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so Kate's real name, uh, they think it was actually Eliza, uh, not Kate from birth. Also, Kate and John Jr., like I mentioned at the beginning of the story, are not believed to have actually been brother and sister at all. Uh, they're believed to have been married either through some sort of ceremony or common law. Uh, this is really just kind of the speculation from locals and people who knew them. You got to imagine, too, after the bodies were found, in the area, speculation was rampant. Oh. News of this reached all over, like Chicago, New York, everywhere, yeah. all over East. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see this being a nationwide popular story. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Now, there would be large rewards, I mean, large for the time, like $2,000 up to, it would, it would increase up to $5,000 at one point. For the capture of the Bender family, though, they would never be seen or heard from again after their escape in the night. The theory being that they had ditched their horses and wagons on the trail, hopping onto trains to escape the area, with Ma and Pa Bender supposedly heading east to Missouri, then on to Michigan, where it is believed that John Sr. may have committed suicide in Lake Michigan. A, a body was found there, fitting his description. Now, Kate and John Jr. were thought to have traveled south into Texas and then on to the Texas border that it shared with the New Mexico Territory. Now, this area was a lawless land that was like full of bandits, you know, not a lot of really lawmen at all. Uh, this is where it's believed that John Jr. had disappeared into. Kate is thought to have actually traveled to Michigan to meet up with her mother after the heat had died down a little. Okay, so basically Kate and John went one way, Ma and John Sr. went to Michigan. Yeah, eventually making their way up to Michigan. Okay. It's believed. It's funny when there. you said they had a few days start from like when they're about to be found out. Again, man, you could just straight up disappear, no problem in this time period. Oh, we've talked about how easy it was to, you know, just change your name like during the 70s. Change your name, change your look a little bit. No one knows you in the area. 1870, I mean, these people came from somewhere in the United States and pretended to be completely other people. No one questioned it. People are just meeting randoms, you know, everywhere. Somebody moves in next door. It's, oh, they're from wherever the fuck. Yeah. You know, just like me. I'm from wherever the fuck, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So they've never confirmed firm that it's john senior but i'm getting they just it look like him more or less well this is just one of the suspected uh kind of theories on the end of john senior there is also a man in idaho who had been captured for kind of doing like similar crimes uh bashing someone's head in with a hammer he actually tried to escape his leg shackles but he severed his own foot it became infected. He bled to death, died from it. And before someone from Kansas could come up to identify the body, he had really just like decomposed. So ah. they weren't able to identify him. That was, you know, another one. There are supposed sightings all over the country for years after this of the Bender family. Though, like I mentioned, no one ever kind of gets the reward because no one can ever positively identify the Benders. It's weird because you would assume they would continue some form of this activity that they were doing after they fled to, like, get money and such. Yeah, I mean, like, a, a group of grifters like this. I mean, they came together for this purpose. Maybe they were grifting, like, individually before this. Really, like we mentioned, it's easy enough to change your identity, go by new names. I mean, they might have moved into a you know an area became someone else and changed their changed the game to something else well you know? i mean i mean we kind of glazed over but like you said ma had four husbands and they all died yeah. from head injuries it sounds a lot like how these people were being murdered oh definitely yeah i mean it's that's kind of why she's almost like the leader of this group 
kind of like maybe the one who brought them all together for all of this. But it's, yeah, you can't imagine her just kind of like quitting cold turkey. Like this is in her blood that she does this shit. I mean, she went from a Black Widow killer to killing randoms on the road to basically a stationary highwayman. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. No, I don't really know if it was like John Jr. and Kate's bag. I think Kate could pretty much do whatever she wanted. You know, she kind of had the the charisma, the personality, the looks. She could probably get by anywhere. I'm guessing if she wanted to, she could just marry some rich dude and just live off of him. So she, I think anything was, she wanted. She was more of the con person, it sounds like. Yeah, the uh, the trap, kind of yeah. like the what caught him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they all did have their purpose. So very true. Definitely. So I'm going to go through uh, the bodies that were found and then we'll kind of wrap it up with theories. We've already kind of went through our theories, but so in May 1871, that was when the first body I mentioned had been found uh, just going by the name Jones found in Drum Creek. Uh, There were two men in the next winter that were unidentified that had been found in the prairie, also crushed crushed skulls and uh, cut throats. There was a man named Ben Brown. He was from Howard County, Kansas, buried in the apple orchard. There was a W.F. McCrady, uh, an infantryman. Another one, Henry McKenzie from Independence. He was also found there. Uh, Basically, it's just body after body. Uh, Johnny Boyle, George Locker, and his daughter. Now, I didn't mention his daughter, Anna Marie. Now, George Lochner, the one who went missing and kind of started the whole investigation, from different stories, his daughter was either 18 months old or nine years old. It's a little different. Yeah, it's kind of it's a really horrible story. Uh, They say that she wasn't actually murdered in the way that the others were. They think that she might have been buried alive or at least suffocated. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think from a child that young, they God, if they don't even eat within a day, they die. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, they they didn't find her with any injuries. That was just like, a, you know, Theory. death, like the, the way that the other people had been, you know, found to be killed. Yeah. OK, it's very plausible. They also found Dr. William York. He was found in the apple orchard. Um, they found many other bodies in the apple orchard, including unidentified men and women. Also, I mentioned they found the body part that combined to about four people that were found there. Okay, so I was kind of counting here. So this is, well, I guess 13 people plus the various body parts. Yes. Okay, so this could be 18 people, 17 people possibly. Yes, that they found. That they found, okay. So I think it's pretty safe to put these under the serial killer category. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And you got to remember too. So all of the, like the jig was up in 1873, the Bender men only moved to the area in 1870, the Bender women in early 1871. So all of these bodies were in the course of two years. God, that's so, (laughs) it's so many. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's serial killers who don't have that high of a body count in like a decade or two and they're just stationary doing their shit in one region it's not even like you know 
a lot of serial killers go to a city because they can hide, kind of hide in anonymity. These people were well known in their small community. Yeah, it's they must have just tried to get almost every victim that just crossed their paths. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like I said, it's not like they got, you know, everybody. I imagine they had people from the local area inside their home. If you, you know, if a local disappears, all of a sudden, you know, they're missed in the local area. So everyone's kind of like looking for them in that area. But if someone from like an outsider comes in, no one's going to be thinking like to go look at the Bender home. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There. I mean, it's not like there's a credit card trail they can see. Oh, they stayed at fucking the Benders Inn or whatever. Or CCTV or traffic cameras or stuff that we have nowadays. Yeah. Cell phones. I mean, if they're making a long journey and they don't make it to their destination, like. There's a lot of places in between there they could have disappeared. Oh, yeah. Just think of someone traveling from Oklahoma to Missouri. There's yeah. so many places along the way that they could have gotten picked off by, right. you know, bandits, thieves, all of that. Right. Yeah. So I imagine it was, I mean, if really, if it wasn't for the doctor, I don't know how much longer this would have been going on. Yeah, you would have to think that not too much longer. It is kind of scary, like how many people they got in that short amount of time. There was suspicion from the locals kind of about their family, but not really like murder. It, it's not like people thought because a lot of the the instances were kind of just like brushed off like, oh, yeah, you know, Ma Bender, she's a little crazy. You know, she's just she's not, you know, she chased you around with guns. So what? You know, she's a little crazy. Yeah. Just avoid her. Don't go back. That, I imagine know. that was probably a not common occurrence, but having a gun pointed at you probably wasn't the weirdest thing that happened to you that day. Oh, back then? Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, it's not, it's not like they were living in Dodge City, but mm-hmm. it was the Wild West. So, yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. Now, one last thing I'm going to mention, just kind of like usual for back then, uh, trophy hunters ascended on the homestead and searched for trophies, um, anything they could find. They tried to find maybe the mallets or the knives that were used in the killings. They even took to taking the bricks out of the cellar that lined the walls of that, like the, the basement area that they had dug. They pretty much took everything. Also, the home was destroyed because they didn't want to, like, make a place where people could visit. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I know people like it's a big meme at this point. Like, why is everyone like true crime all of a sudden? But, man, people have had a morbid curiosity since human existence, probably. Oh, forever. Just look at uh Bonnie and Clyde. So after Bonnie and Clyde had been killed, the cops weren't able to keep everyone from rushing the car to go, you know, cut off fingers, cut off pieces of hair, uh, rip their clothes off, basically. Yeah, it was back then, you know, gathering trophies was a pretty big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not very surprising. No, not at all. So, I mean, what do you think about, like, I know you've talked before uh what do you kind of think is like your theory like where do you think they went to god i don't know it's hard to say honestly because they had the whole country to go hide at you know what i mean um 
I guess I would follow along with your thing where mom and pa went to Michigan and the Kate and John just kind of did their own thing. If he went to a lawless area, he, there's a good chance he got taken out somehow, right? Oh, yeah. I I mean, it, it was pretty dangerous country in West Texas back then, East New Mexico. So... Yeah, my uh, kind of my theory on like where they came from, I think they kind of just, you know, maybe they just kind of all met each other. You know, one of those weird little kind of like the movies where, you know, the criminals all meet up and they happen to realize that they're all kind of in the same business situation. Yeah, I um, I was going to say I, I agree with you because I, I would assume maybe they have had some sort of criminal gang, I guess, operating for quite a while, and they came up with this idea. That's what I kind of envisioned, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially with that Homestead Act. They went out and got some free land, and they just had this idea, like, exploit it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if if they're all con people murderers and basically just looking to rob people, they those people seem to always find a clever way to take advantage of some system. Oh, and they can always sniff out each other too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very strange how that works, but somehow they always know how to do it. You do hear about like during the 70s and 80s, there were serial killer duos who would travel together. They would they would meet up and they would almost like be able to kind of like detect it on each other. And they would meet up and kind of, you know, well some of them were worse than, you know, like it was almost like kind of like a apprenticeship program with a few yeah. of them that I've heard of. Right. But like these serial killers would come together, kind of like, you know, do their thing along with each other and then separate. So it would be kind of in. I mean, obviously, it's probably never going to happen. But to like figure out more about where they came from and stuff, I think that would be, you know, would give more information about how they got to this point or whatever. But uh, like I said, they barely even know the real names. So it's going to be kind of hard to do that. Yeah, there is a theory that kind of Elvira came from maybe the United States. She came from like the, that she had came from the Adirondack mountain range in New York. That's kind of like one of the theories where Elvira may have came from. Uh, that's kind of where like the story about her start uh, with all the husbands comes from. So gotcha. Maybe she met these people along the way kind of thing. Yeah. Like in their travels, you know? Yeah. I mean, I could totally see that. Um, I don't know. I guess it'll part of it will forever remain a mystery, but it's a very, very gruesome tale. Like it's, you don't really hear about this type of thing very often. No, not really. I mean, it's, it's kind of all over our movies, you know, not this story, particularly but like stories like this you know yeah kind of like almost like these hillbilly families that you know just kind of pick people off you know almost like uh venus flytrap if you get a little too close they close in on you you know texas chainsaw massacre that's kind of what uh <laughs> that reminds yeah, me perfect. of yeah but uh yeah. you got any closing comments phil no, just uh, this one was really fun. I uh, got to watch a lot of great uh, YouTube documentaries. The weird thing is they were all kind of the same. Yeah. So yeah. it felt like they were all reading off the same script. 
probably so, were like little little differences though little itty bitty difference i feel like that's usually how it goes to be honest with you yeah kind of everyone's getting it from the same everyone read the same maybe youtube fuck or everyone read maybe the same internet article or you know magazine or probably fucking wikipedia nowadays yeah more than likely that's what happened well uh i thoroughly enjoyed the stories phil so thank you very much for that if uh anybody wants to reach out to us and let us know maybe they know some more details or they're from Kansas or whatever, where can they contact us? Yeah, if you're one of the sad souls residing in Kansas right now and you want to go ahead and hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we actually love hearing from everybody. Uh, you know, great notes on the shows. Everyone has, you know, maybe some ideas. Uh, we love to hear them. Uh, probably a better way to get a hold of us is on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Once again, love hearing from everybody. What you thought about the stories, all the likes, all the wise it's all great cody and i also have our own instagram accounts minus sd podfill cody you have one yeah you can follow me at cody's above send me a message i will reply to you when i can uh the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to itunes leave the show five star review preferably written it doesn't really matter what you say just type something hit submit and we greatly appreciate everybody who's taking time to do that for us if you're a spotify listener it's even simpler you just hit five stars hit submit you don't type anything it's really simple and thank you to everybody who's taking time to do that for us as well like i said phil excellent episode i think a lot of people are going to enjoy this little true crime action here and uh we'll see you guys next thanks guys <laughs>